This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany. Okay. Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that. So I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey, guys. Have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app. And then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. it. They take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. I'm ready. You can hit that button when you're ready, Josh. Coffee time. Covering the Orioles the only way we know how, as fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Today on the show, Mr. Film Study is in studio to educate us about the Ravens draft. Also, we will, of course, get into some Orioles talk as we will discuss the mounting injuries that right now the Orioles are experiencing and how we will survive it. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Section 336. What's the news? Let's talk about Buck, a favorite Orioles. What's the latest lineup? Home runs and stolen bases. This is a trip. Stay tuned in at 3.36. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the zany Burt Rode. What up, 336ers? And the button lover, Josh Sroka. You know, Matt, you never make requests for the show, and you made one this week. Do you remember what you asked for? No, I have no idea. Ah, yes. Well, this Matt, was... Matt requested that this play the entire show. Yeah, he's like the best player on the team. Well, after after um, Kim got, I don't know, two, three, five, seven hits this week, whatever it was, um, pe- people on Twitter were saying we need, we need to bust out the song more. He's batting like 600 or yeah. something, right? And it's not going to last very long, so we got to play it while we can. <laughs> he did. He played on Saturday night with me and Joshua yeah. at the game for Dugout Club. And, uh, yeah, I was thrilled to hear his theme song played every time he came out of bat. And even more thrilled, he got, what, two hits? Yeah, he got two hits. In a good game. Yeah. And we're also joined by Ken McCusick, also known as Mr. Film Study. Welcome, Ken. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Mr. Film Study. Mr. Back Film in the house. Study back in the house. To school us. 
Absolutely. <laughs> uh, to get into some Ravens draft talk and also some Orioles talk because I know Ken follows the O's and uh, brings that little sabermetric side to the game, which which I always appreciate. Appreciate. Despise. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> One of the two. You know, it's, it's nice to have the draft kind of sneak up on you. Are you really right. going to play that song throughout the entire show? I was going to see how you requested it all song. I was going to see how long it lasted. He let it go about 45 seconds. Yeah. I think that was the third time through you made it. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. So it was a little annoying. It, it's nice to have the draft sneak up on us, to be excited for baseball and not like previous years where it's a countdown to the draft and the draft is a big deal and you got to watch it and everything. Yeah. For me, it wasn't this year. Yeah. Lots of people, it still is, but. It's nice to have baseball. Well, because the, Nor- the Orioles are usually out of it by April 13th oh, every stop. year. Oh, stop. That's so. not true. That's not true. <laughs> I, I, we usually get off to a I hot mean, start. I, right. For I, 14 years, it felt that way. <laughs> I know. I couldn't we wait for draft night. We were always competitive till May. Oh, dra- <laughs> yeah. Draft night and like the announcement of the Madden cover and everything right, right. that led up to that because the Orioles sucked. Hey, can, can we explain last week, the, the lost episode? Sure. Uh, there well, were technical problems at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, we're sorry. We we, we usually record live Buffalo Wild Wings. We mm-hmm. were we did a live show at Buffalo Wild Wings. We, we, but Josh screwed right. something up and it didn't, it didn't <laughs> Matt, record. Matt picked me up a little late to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, sure so we, we, late. we didn't have time to, to test before we went live. Yeah, but you had a special treat. If you were Danny or Ryan or uh, mm, three... Uh, Three 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 West Camden, something like 333 that. Three 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 West Camden. Josh, can you look up his Twitter handle? Um, and I, I like. We had a couple three three sixes in the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good thing. And we are at the point whether we see someone at the stadium uh, who knows us from from, from the show, uh-huh. or it's, like a Buffalo Wild Wings when we see people who know us from the show. It's, it's Ben Lasher. No, 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 I don't. I don't know. Three 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 W Camden. Yeah. yeah. And this is how he introduced himself at, hey, I'm 33W Camden. Hey, I'm Section 336. And this is how we now introduce <laughs> ourselves just by Twitter handles. Sure, sure. I'm Bert Rohde. Because this is That's all, easy. Because with a lot of these guys, this is our relationship, just via Twitter. Yeah, no, it is cool to meet us. You know, we interact with these people on Twitter all the time. It is fun to meet some people face-to-face. Yeah, and I feel like I want to call them by the Twitter handle, yeah, not yeah. by the He r- did introduce himself by the Twitter handle. And I feel like that's appropriate. Right. I, I, say, Ben, I don't know who you are. Right. You say 33W. Uh, then I, I know as soon as he stepped away from our table, I realized I didn't get his real name. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter. I like this. I think it matters a little bit. Oh, but no, it's just Twitter handles his name. So you've just given up on face-to-face socializing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, when we face-to-face, he calls me Section 336. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which might be a little confusing because the whole show, but whatever. You, you're and, just and taking credit for all three of us now. Well, I did invent the website, 336.com. <laughs> Do we need to go back to that? No. Yeah, you, no. you like you, to remind you, us of that. Right, you invented it. You let it die. We saved it. Well, I don't know about that. I updated once a year. Um, that's, all, that's all a website really needs. Now, now you're using this to set up that there's two more things coming up that they can come hang out with us at. Yes, and you can call me Section 336. You can call Bert. At Bert Rohde. <laughs> Are we doing this already? Is the show over? <laughs> no, 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 no. But you can call him by your Twitter handle. Bert so what, Rohde. That's my name. Your Twitter is Bert Rohde? Yeah. Oh, how lame is that? <laughs> You're not supposed to use your real name for Twitter. Oh, I did. Oh, so. how, Josh, lame what is are it? You? how lame is it that you don't know when we say it every episode? Oh, and Josh, what are you? Josh Soroka. See, that's lame. We got film study over here. I'm, that's all, I'm, I'm, I'm also a Section 336 show. Okay. At Film Study Ravens, isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, May 13th, Night at the Yards, uh, Friday. Tickets are 15 bucks. Go to section336.com. We're filling up a little section in Section 336 of all 336ers. Yeah, I think there's like 25 tickets left. All of our people, just our people. Yeah, our people. Yeah. All in 334. No weirdos. No. Well... <laughs> <laughs> is that depends? Are you calling the three three sixers weirdos? How, no, how many roadies will be there? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't even know the answer to that question, to be honest. Yeah, because that's when we get to the weirdos. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I didn't even think about inviting Uncle Dave. I got to get him on the line. You know where I was going with this. I got to get Uncle Dave back at the yard. Yeah, I love Uncle Dave. All I right. want some more Uncle Dave trivia, uh, Uncle Dave stories. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to have to call him. I'll yeah. make sure there's no events going on at Club 66 in Edgewood that night. Get that done. Friday, May 13th uh, against the Tigers, $15. Go to section336.com. Also, we'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings on Tuesday, May 24th. In Annapolis, in our backyard. Or your guy's backyard. Or Josh's backyard. Mine. Mine. Yeah, mine. That's, that's it. Just Josh's backyard. That's I, the closest one for me. I remember the Annapolis Buffalo Wild Wings being a cool one. Yes. Yeah, I like that yeah. one. We'll go. We'll gladly yeah. go back to a that pop one. A popular Buffalo Wild Wings. Yes. And the Millers from last week, from last week, Buffalo Wild Wings, the Millers made out like bandits. So you two could come out and make out like bandits. The The Millers won the sauce, won a gift certificate. Between the, 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 the Millers and won the Tickets to the Royal game. The, yeah. the game. All you got to do is show up to Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings with Section 336. There you got a pretty good chance of winning yeah. something. I don't remember the Millers' first name, but if the Millers are listening to this show, well, good, because we gave you a bunch of stuff. <laughs> if you're not listening, shame on you for not listening to the show after we gave you a bunch of stuff. Well, they should be at the Oriole game this Friday, Section 17, Row 21, if I recall correctly, because those <laughs> are the four free tickets they won. Yeah. Very cool. Can I just tell you a quick goat story before we get into the show? Quickly. <laughs> why, why do you say like that quickly like that? Right. We, we got a guess. Is this about Ray right. Lewis or no, one I'll, of your animals? No, not, I'm not talking about the greatest of all time. I'm talking about one of my Ryan kids. Ryan Flaherty? No, I'll let it go. I'll no, let it go. I, I would like to hear about your kids. No, no you, you don't want to hear about my kids. I'll just get into the save show. Save it for the end. All right, I'll save it for the end if we have time. Tease. It's a tease. This is the, we are the king of tease. So <laughs> <laughs> I will save it for the end. I love that uh, that keeps we coming We've got to wrap the show up in like 55 minutes so I can have... I just need three minutes for my story. That's fine. Yes. Okay. Spoiler alert. It involves, never mind. I'm not going to even go there. I'm not baby go goats? There. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves baby goats. Yeah. It's totally cool. Um, Remind me right now I'm adding kings of teas to our list of catchphrases. Put it in the notes. <laughs> oh, catchphrase. I thought you put it in the notes. Because I am notes. running an extensive list of uh, catchphrases, uh, you know, thing, things that keep coming back. Things that nobody cares about <laughs> but Bert. I care about them. Someone's got to do a Bert. Seriously. Can, can, can we talk football? Yeah, the we're, draft. yeah, we're going to start off the show by breaking down the Ravens draft, and then we'll get to some Orioles talk. There's a list of like 10 people, and I know one of the people. Mm. So I need to learn. Mm. Okay, and this is why we have film study here. Right. How many do you know on the list? Uh, I knew Ronnie Stanley, though I was. It seems like prior to the draft, there was uh, Tunsil, Ramsey. There, there, there was a few. Um, um, uh, the guy who went n- uh, number three, um, Bosa. Bosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a ton, of, uh, like a, there was a handful of guys that everyone kind of thought the Ravens might get. I didn't hear Stanley's name linked to the Ravens very often. Is this was the Tunsil thing? They said that the Tunsil was not directly related to the video. Do you think if the you know the famous Twitter video now of of Tunsil uh, and that gas mask, which was just bizarre? <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing, by the way. Smoking you're, weed you're, with you're the gas old. mask, but whatever. Uh, did did that have a, an effect? Don't you think on the Ravens' decision making? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear. For, and what makes it clear is the way they're trying to prance around in terms of their words. But they they'll they'll say things like, "When we drafted him, he was the highest player left on our board." Well, okay, after you took Tunsil off, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And and then somebody reports at the exact same time. Well, they took Tunsil off their board as soon as they saw the video. So you know, you, you you hear that kind of thing happen, and I think they they probably liked Stanley, and there probably was some debate at some point on who to draft. Mike Mayock even had him higher than Tunsil 
in his mock going uh, but beforehand. But uh, honestly, uh, Tunsil just a better player in in my opinion. Stanley kind of a, a if we're ready to talk about him. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dancing bear, uh, you know, pass blocker who, who dancing bear. I like very that. Very good feet. Very good <laughs> yeah. feet. And that's what that's what you need to pass block in the NFL. I really look forward to, to scoring him week in week out now going forward. But uh, tremendous arm length. 35, more than 35 and a half inches. Um, the only guy the Ravens have had that's been up in that level is Jared Gaither over the years, and and uh, and he was really outstanding. So when he when he was there at left tackle, right uh, for for Stanley, and I know you got more on, but is he going to come in? And by the way, you might want to write down "dancing bear" into the catchphrase because I'm going to use that a lot now. I like that, <laughs> but uh, just don't Google it. <laughs> I'll just I'll tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> is is. Is Stanley going to be our starting left tackle week one? I, I would imagine so. I, I think it's surprising if not. The only other scenario I can really see would be him moving to left guard for one year, kind of like John Ogden did, and have uh, Eugene Monroe stay at left tackle. But if that's the starting lineup on day one, I, on week one, I'd be surprised if that's still the starting lineup by week 17, just because right. Monroe has been fairly fragile. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, it's... It, Stanley is a is a young player. He's the future at left tackle, and hopefully he'll be there for a decade or more. and And we'll be introducing him to the Ring of Honor someday. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's and he's a he's a safe pick. He seems like a really good character guy. Is this drafting good character guys? Has this been a is this a reaction to recent it, history with the Ravens and the drama every off season, or has it kind of always been? I'll see. I went a different way. An Ozzy and Harbaugh thing to draft I, I, character guys. I, I, I looked at it more as look at Cleveland, who just put all their energy into uh, what's his name, Ch- Man- Manziel, Manziel sure. who's supposed Gordon. to change the organization as a high draft pick, and it's a complete waste. Yeah. So I, I think stuff like that. It, is starting to get attention. But you pay attention to the drafts. Is this a recent philosophy change, or has this kind of always been the Ravens wanting to draft good guys? I mean, I, th- I think it's I think it's more or less been always true. They haven't been they haven't been an organization that's taken a lot of risk with with character concerns. But it's it's a, just a practical matter. If you've got Stanley sitting here and you've got Tunsil here, and one player is ninety five percent of what the other is, so let's say you think Stanley's five percent less good. Well. Yeah. If you're in the program, you run the risk of losing a lot of his actual time on the field due to suspension. So yeah. you, you don't want to have you, you can't put these people on equal footing after you see a video like that and the repercussions it will likely have. Yeah, and it wasn't just the Ravens making that decision because another tackle was taken even before Tunsil was taken. So it wasn't just the Ravens who passed yeah. on him. Trade up to make to to take Conklin at number eight too. So wow. it was a it was a. The Ravens started the run on left tackles, and that's what you want to do. You want to start the run on any position. Then the, all of the drafts that came after him that were tackles basically supported their own draft of better players down the line. Now, I'll be interested, though, to follow Tunsil now. Like, you know, he's somebody that's going to play with a chip on his shoulder this entire season now. And I, I don't even know if we play the Dolphins this year or whatever the schedule works out. But, you know, he's a guy that, that will might relish playing against some of these teams that passed up on him oh, yeah. over a ball. Oh, chip video. on his shoulders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It kind of depends. From high on, school, nonetheless. Right. And yeah. it kind of depends what that video is to him. If that was just someone trying to blackmail him. Oh, it had or, to been. So. With the, the text messages thing getting released, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, somebody had it out for him. He yeah. did somebody wrong somewhere yeah. along the line. Where his stepfather has physical altercations with him and, and pending legal battles. Yeah. Sketchy situation, which, yeah. I, I mean, it, whether you disagree with it or not, I kind of have to side with the Ravens for taking oh, the safe side on that. Well, whoever was doing the the whoever released the video timed it perfectly yes. to screw with them because there was no time to spin or 
no time to right. explain even what the video was. Yeah, I, I don't know if you if you caught the timing of this too, but the, obviously the video timing was perfect to screw him in the first round. <laughs> but but if he if he got up on stage after being drafted 13 by the Dolphins, had just gotten his Dolphin hat on, and that's when the text messages were released about how he'd taken money at Mississippi for right. his mo- mom's bills and whatnot. Oh. So, I mean that's I mean that's extreme though. I mean you must have someone who really doesn't like you yeah. to cost you millions of dollars. That's extreme. Right. At that's, least let the guy get his millions, then try to get some of that money. That's taking it to the next level. Like Tunsil now has to outdo that. Good luck, yeah. Tunsil, to take outdo that kind of dig. It certainly made draft night a little more exciting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the absolutely. first round. I mean, it's already exciting. First round's always great, but add a little uh, yeah. drama to it. Making all the ESPN nerds <laughs> talking about smoking weed out of a gas yeah, mask. Yeah. That's entertaining. <laughs> that's entertaining television right there. All right, so that's the first pick. We feel good about the first pick, Stanley. Um, second pick, and we'll get to the, the legendary fourth round, uh, but our second pick in Korea outside linebacker. Uh, your thoughts from study on him? Right, uh, Kamalai Korea. So the second uh, second pick at 42. Uh, some drafts had him going as early as 29 in the mocks to the Cardinals. Uh, I still think he might be a little bit of a reach at 42. I watched a fair amount of film on him last night, a, 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 a group that had a good 30- or 45-minute video on him out on the uh, on the web that looked pretty good. Um, he refused interviews before the draft. I kind of like hearing that, and they said he's a quiet guy, but uh, one of the points that they made online was that this guy's a complete trash talker on the field. So he, he tackles like anyways, got to talk to him. You know, I like that. A little bit of Suggs in him. Yeah, yeah I like that. what that's all about. Yeah, very much a high-motor guy, so think Michael McCrary, gets to the quarterback, and he's looking to punch the ball loose, looking to tackle violently, punch the ball loose. 3-4 um, edge setter. Um, I think he's a reasonable replacement for downs one and two, which we really need to get Elvis Dumerville off the field for. Elvis Dumerville much more effective in a rotational or a situational pass rushing role now. And certainly the older he gets, the least, the fewer snaps we can really expect to get out of him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, are you a big, are you, are you a, a college football guy? Home study? No, really play? not. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watch the pro game. I, I, I try and study a little bit of draft stuff as it's, as it's happening. I'll read a lot uh, about the drafted players, of course, but, right. uh, but no, I'm really not a college player. All right. Um, did the, the, uh, the, the next pick Bronson, Kafusi? <laughs> yeah, Bronson Kafusi. Um, I like that. Kafusi. Uh, Kafusi. Uh, Sounds a, like one of your goat's names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Boozy, Kafusi. Yeah. 6'6", <laughs> six, six, uh, 285. Uh, does not have uh, what they call a lot of functional strength right now. Ideally, he'd be a five-tech. He would, he would come in and he'd play uh, right over to one side of the tackle and be able to provide some uh, height to get in the in the passing lanes and if he's forced to move outside and be an outside linebacker that would make him less valuable honestly in my mind um, but you know the, the Ravens ideally would have another guy from the inside who could rush the passer you put him and Jernigan together with Suggs and Dumerville or Suggs and Korea on the outside and you really have something that's uh, that's special yeah uh, and and we on section three to six we we haven't been doing a whole lot of Ravens talk pre-draft talk and one of the reasons we stay away from it is because I'd rather just have film study come in here at the end <laughs> and tell us what's up. Yeah. Uh, or we could kind of I could regurgitate what I read somewhere on some ESPN tw- tweet or something. Uh, but to, to, hear, to hear the the expert talk about uh, uh, his thoughts on the draft, I think is more va- valuable than us talking about it. And then we get to so now we get to the legendary fourth round. 
We'll, we'll get to the fourth round in just one second. Cause there's one more thing I want to say about Bronson. Sure. All right. He's, he's Sorry, 25 years old by the time the opener starts. Oh, uh, wow. And that, that, you know, a few years ago, the Browns drafted Brandon Whedon. And in that kind of instance, it's, it's very apparent what's going on that you ha- you have a, a player who you're probably not going to get all that much out of. But, but with an edge rusher, I think you, you have a four year commitment from this guy. I don't want to act like it's the military, but these initial contract is for four years. Right. And then at the end of that, they'll have to decide if they want to sign him again. And at age 20, that's going to be a difficult choice. They're going to really have to say, is this guy, you know, really doing it or do we have to just let him go? And and it's it unfortunately getting it started at 25 is not ideal and and uh maybe that's part of what made him drop to the third round. Um uh yeah, and th- that's interesting that he's a little bit older. Um and you mentioned the whole contract with with 4 years and then he becomes a free agent. Uh if I can ask you a random kind of off the off the wall question in baseball it's really important, like you kind of take out like Manny, Manny Machado. It's really important to have players like him, talented players that are young, still in their arbitration years, so they, so you're not paying really what he's worth. Um, in football, like for the Orioles, it's essential to have young players who aren't making a lot of money to field a competitive team. Uh, in football, with the with the salary cap, is it still valuable to have young players making less money than veterans? to contribute to a winning team. How valuable are these it's, young players with, with the, with the oh, salaries? I mean, the, the lifeblood of the team are the young players with, with low salaries. It's what you get out of the draft. But, but the, the playing field is level. So you don't have a New York Yankees in football because nobody, I mean, everybody uses 100% of their salary cap basically right. to sign their players. So it, it's, it all comes down to then what front offices can do the best job of finding those bargain players at the lower prices and, and avoid paying large free agent dollars. So the, the, the teams that become the, the Yankees of football are the teams that have success year after year and are able to, to consistently attract top talent. So if New England, Baltimore to a lesser extent, I think, Green Bay, places like that that are constantly able to get the right. talent to come to them. Yeah, so in that even playing field, yeah, the, the only way to become like the Yankees is just to kind of out-evaluate your mm-hmm. opponent because you can't outspend your opponent. That's right. Yeah, which is an interesting thing. Interesting. It's it's, it's like it's, cool thing. it's like daily daily fantasy. Yeah. When we play that, you all got the same amount of money you got to spend. Yeah. To but try it, to make it a makes what, team. it almost makes what the Ravens have been doing though these past several years even all that more impressive to to replenish the young players time and time again. Um, right, and and yes, when they're spending when they've got the same salary cap as the Cleveland Browns, right, to always be able and to do a better job. And it's amazing that the Browns are so terrible every year. Right. Yeah, given that they all have the same salary cap. All right. The legendary fourth round. Um, Ken, Great, when greatest hit, ever, right? Yeah, well, well Ken, I, we've heard from ESPN, greatest fourth round ever. I, I don't know um, what to make of this. How good was the first round? What's your impression of the, of the, the, f- the, the fourth. fourth round as a whole? Yeah, the, the fourth round as a whole, given the picks they had, I'd say B+. Plus, but they had five picks, which is the most any team has ever taken in the fourth round in NFL history. So, <laughs> so that, that helps. Yeah, that helps. And I, I did not like the way the draft, the, the opening round started. They started with a short corner, Tavon Young at number 104. He's got slightly above average CB speed, I'd say. I, I really say that about 4-5 is right about the kind of the mean line. If you're, if you're worse than that, that's not good. He's at 446. Um, exceptional ball skills, but he's short. And supposed to be a fighter, likes to strip the ball. Good thing, but um, he's a player who's really limited coming right out of school to being a nickel prospect. 
Now, what I mean by that? Well, obviously, nickel prospect plays in, in the slot as opposed right. to on the outside. And the Ravens are an unusual NFL team in that they've loaded up on tall corners to such a degree. Those are those are what I call boundary defenders that they they really have all the outside corners they need, and they lacked. Um, nickel corners last year so they, they they traded for will davis and then he went down and they um, put webb in the slot but but in that in the meantime they had all kinds of really lousy players in the slot kyle arrington had, had a lousy year um elam played time up opposite the slot and brooks who's both are, you know those guys are safeties it, right playing the slot so so it was it, he's not a great corner but he fits the need at nickel that that yeah. the ravens team had yeah all right uh, and and who who was next for us in that infamous uh, fourth round? Chris Chris Moore is the next one. I think he's the really the only pick of the whole draft that I really don't like. I think there was a need to pick a wide receiver, and they and they said that this is a uh, tall guy, prototypical wide receiver height at six one, um, uh, long arms, and he has a very high yards per catch at Cincinnati. But one of the things that was said is he got a lot of free releases from the line of scrimmage at Cincinnati, and he has a very slow accelerating fast guy. So what that tells me in the pros is bigger corners, they'll get up on the line of scrimmage, they'll press him, and it'll be harder for him to, to get the, the release he needs to build up to full speed. So not, not really a, the speed guy that we've been wanting. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's my feeling about it. We'll see. I mean, we had Demetrius Williams a few years back, and mm-hmm. he was an exciting player, sort of. Uh, you know, Clarence Moore is a little bit slower, right. but a big guy. I mean, well, like we, had, we had Torrey Smith, who basically mm-hmm. those first couple of years, all he did was run long. Yeah, and just run as fast as he can. Well, I mean, so. and and he was very valuable in that role. I, I'm not. I would not compare him to Moore in any way. Okay. Moore is a is a much lesser talent than than Tori Smith. Okay. It reminds me of like the uh, Donkey Kong car in Super Mario Kart, where it's the fastest car in the group, but it takes forever to get him up to that top speed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if yep. I could compare That's it to good uh, N64, yeah. 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 <laughs> a twenty year old old analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Still applies today. Yeah, we'll keep going here. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Ken. <laughs> just, just, just do what we do, Ken. Uh, Mr. Film Study, just ignore him and keep on talking. That's what I'm, we do I'm here, just Mr. being zany. Hey, you woke up. That's good. Uh, the Ravens actually had a fairly long stretch in the fourth round, 23 consecutive picks where they didn't make one, and then at number 130, um, they took their one non-choir boy of the draft, a guy named Alex Lewis. He he'd got in trouble during school for beating up an Air Force cadet. Uh, 45 days in jail and two years probation. He got to uh, uh, have the charges go away. Okay, so I, I guess put no contest or whatever it was. I don't know the sure. ex- exact details. Um, but he is a legitimate right tackle prospect, uh, a little bit short-armed, a little bit ponderous in terms of his movement. Uh, the Ravens apparently took a lot of time to really vet him before the draft, which I think you know goes along with uh, some of the character um, you know, decisions that they've made. Um, and I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to stick. Um, probably will be a uh, a guard tackle swing. And when I say a guard tackle swing, I really mean a guard or right tackle swing. So he could. Some, we get some injuries. Certainly could get to the point where he's playing left. Uh, sorry, left guard for the Ravens at some point this year, uh, opposite Yonda. Yeah, you seem to be pretty confident with your assessments of players. How how is it um, like? It seems like the Ravens always get good draft grades, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't always; those players don't always turn out. Um, uh, do you feel confident looking at someone playing college and being able to to say with confidence this is how they'll be as an NFL player? No, I mean, right. and, and I, I'll I'll do as well as I can, and other people will have their opinions. And if if 
you know, if I often do, I'll even read three or four scouting reports on the same player, and they'll be very different. Ronnie Stanley this year, Mayock's saying he's a great run blocker. Everybody else is saying he's a lousy run blocker. Huh. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I, I want to ask one more dumb question. The Now, I understand in baseball, it's really hard to project certain players and how they'll perform. I, I mean, often because they're drafting, like, for example, a high school player who could be five years before oh, yeah. he gets to the majors. Um, but in college, like Matt Elam, if we can use him, because I think he's the most recent and obvious bust in the first round. Um, Matt Elam, when we drafted him, he played at a major program like Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, he played against major competition, and he was good. And other other teams thought he was good. It's not like the Ravens did something crazy by drafting him the first round. How could he be play so well at the college level? And I get it's faster and more physical than the NFL, but how could he be such a good player in college and just totally whiff in the NFL? How does that happen? Well, you know, it just does happen sometimes is all I can say. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of safeties are really strong safeties, and they're not free safeties. And Elam was, was pushed into a role where he was playing deep safety more often, and he didn't adapt to over-the-top coverage. He wasn't able to read the quarterbacks or the routes as well. Uh, you know, not everybody's at but, reading. But isn't that stuff you're so, doing in college? Is it, is it finding the right guy that fits your type of program is it that the programs but are not that either different? would not be good in any program right it, it's it's fit the i think it's fit the position you're going to put him at and and look where we've played matt elam so far and i say we will stop that the ravens look where the ravens <laughs> oh, have i like him. the we here yeah. <laughs> i like we talk where the, where the ravens have have uh have no. played him over the years but they played him as a as a nickel for a period of time and they and they played him uh at free safety when he really was more of a strong safety yeah. um so it's a shame matt is the first ravens draft pick ever that didn't start for four years and i hope rashad huh. perryman is not the second but um mm. he's uh he's the first whiff of ozzy's career that's complete i mean even even bowler was a four-year starter yeah were, were you hoping speaking of corners were, were you hoping that um they traded up they would they would have made more of an effort to trade up for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that that would have been a really nice nice trade. But I think the place where Ozzy apparently drew the line, at least as it's reported, is he would have traded the top pick in the fourth round, but he wouldn't have traded the third round pick. And I think that's the right division. Mm-hmm. I, I I would have I would have done it if you throw in the top fourth, but I wouldn't have done it to throw in number seventy. And and they uh, they didn't. Yeah. And it shows good. I think that's a good sign because you see other teams kind of go all in for these top draft mm-hmm. picks and it hurts it hurts their ability because you need a lot of players to fill your team a lot of quality players and so you don't want to go all in on one guy when you know you you you, you need a lot of a lot of football guys to, to fill the team out um and it's not you just it's not like the nba where you can have one guy lead you to a championship well, well that that one guy is 20 percent of what's on your court for nba yeah yeah, it's and I know you're that for football, and I know you're, you're looking for that dream quarterback situation, and that's why some of these teams like Philadelphia tra- trade up for it. But it, it didn't sound like either of these quarterbacks were home home run guys, no. so it's kind of and, odd. And we've, going we've even seen that with a with a star quarterback. But if you don't have the linemen to protect him or the guys that can catch the balls, that star quarterback's not going to be a star. You got to help him out. It's true. They they talked about it a little bit during the draft this year, and you guys probably caught it. But I mean, the NFL is completely framed around the high leverage downs. So when I say high leverage, I mean the the downs where the changes in win probability are greatest. And those are third downs, uh, you know, short yardage as well, but third third downs uh, uh, and, and what your percentage is of converting that, pass plays in general. And so you really, players like Ramsey are a lot more valuable than a good 
defensive tackle, like even a Brandon Williams is is uh, is like a big Brandon Williams, is the best nose tackle in the NFL, but doesn't rush the passer very much. Right. And uh, and Jalen Ramsey will probably end up being more valuable than him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I think high leverage situations, I think Brian Mattis coming in with the bases loaded and walking a guy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's high high for a guy that <laughs> he always it. chokes in high leverage situations. Uh, okay, so so we're still in the fourth round. We'll be in the fourth round for the next hour. Uh, who's up next? <laughs> okay, so the next the next uh, pick was Henry, the defensive tackle. Uh, very deep defensive tackle class this year. So I was really happy to see the Ravens get a piece of it, and they got a very undervalued player at number one thirty two. He's twenty one in March, um, and so he's a two contract candidate. When I when I say that, that's what excites me about that. So he'll be twenty five when he when he first becomes eligible for free agency. Wow. He could be an early signing, and and the Ravens can have his second contract done by the time he's thirty, likely. Um, yeah. He's a powerful, heavy handed guy, um, a, a two down pass rush value. So most of, most of the guys the Ravens have otherwise are these either interior guys who are specialists or out exterior guys like Suggs or or Dumerville or Crea who are, who are going to be uh, contributing in total on every down. But to have an inside two-down guy who can contribute to the pass rush is also very valuable, and, and Henry is that guy. So him and Brandon Williams, I, I look forward to next to each other. And on, on third down to see some of him and, and Jernigan and some of um, uh, Kafusi and, and Jernigan also would be good. Well, I feel like this is something the Ravens have done well, especially in later rounds, drafting defensive tackles. Isn't that one of their strengths as yeah. a, a drafting team? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're thinking probably Pernell McPhee, and you're yeah. thinking about uh, um, Brandon Williams in the third being a small school pick. So, yeah, yeah. very much so. I'll, I'll throw out crazy suggestions, and you confirm it by <laughs> throwing names there. I appreciate that. <laughs> So who, who who's next in this fourth round? We still uh, in the fourth round, right? Last pick of the fourth All round, right, here we go. And, and the last pick a lot of people are going to tell you is the best. I think it's probably Henry, but but uh, Ken Dixon, um, number one thirty four. Of course, Ken Dixon, the pitcher, didn't work out that well, but uh, Ken Dixon, the the running back, <laughs> is a lot more exciting. Um, Sneak the throwback. <laughs> yeah, the the second most. Ken Dixon, by the way, holds hold held a major league record for many years. I don't know if anybody has 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 topped it yet, but he's the only pitcher in less than a hundred innings to allow at least thirty home runs. He allowed 31, <laughs> 31 homers in ninety six innings. That's hard to do. You, you sure, yeah. you sure Tommy Hunter innings. didn't beat that? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the Tommy Hunter stat. Or, or, or the Bud Norris. This is when we have Tommy the internet and somebody boom. should be looking right. this up for us. Where's yeah. the intern here anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Bert, are you on this? That's what He's we ask every week. I'm looking at Ken Dixon on uh, baseballreference.com. Now. Okay, there you go. So, so Ken Dixon. Anyway, had 31 homers in 96 and change. But Kenneth out. Dixon does not hit any home runs. No, he does not. But he's he's very much a home run hitter on the football field. He's a, he's a touchdown scorer. Thanks for the setup. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, uh, the second most touchdowns in college football history. Wow. Exceeded only by mm. the sixth round pick, Keenan Reynolds, who had the most touchdowns in college football history. So it's really Maybe odd more. that they would pick up two like that. But uh, Wait, Dix, how, are, how, did this, we have a plethora of running backs right now. Yes, yes. that's what I was going to ask. Are, are running backs not as valuable as they used to be? They, it seems like it used to be every team had their star running back and who was getting their 1,000 uh, yards or whatever. And now it seems they're doing this three-man set or two-man. Mm-hmm. Well, you turns. see it all the time where and Jamal Charles like, goes down or elite running exactly. back goes down and someone else It seems like up. if you have that, that those offensive linemen, you just put anyone back In the there. system, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. A good offensive line will make almost any runner look pretty good. Um, you you want to get a guy who's a, who's a little bit of a scheme fit, but uh, 
Dixon, I think, would do well in in the zone scheme in particular. He's been he's been someone that that people say if you have a one cut scheme, he provides tremendous elusiveness. So a, a, a offensive line, if it can be good like the Ravens were a couple of years ago, and create second level opportunities for Dixon, he's the kind of runner who really makes a defense pay for that. Um, he's had some. I'm sorry, yo, yo, you can go uh, ahead. A little more. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's had some ball security issues the last three years. He had 13 fumbles, and and that's mm. been something. But terrific receiver, and he's a battle tested pass blocker at the college level. So at the college level, he graded out pretty well as a pass blocker. That is a transition, obviously much bigger men coming at you. Um, Forsett is a small guy who's a, aggressive, going to the body and going to the thighs of bigger men who are who are uh, uh, coming in to rush the quarterback. And uh, hopefully, uh, Henry can. Uh, sorry, Dixon can pick up some of that from him. Dixon uh, setting those records, being a good blocker, a good receiver. It, how come he went so low? Yeah, um, well, Pro Football Focus had him as the second-rated running back behind Elliott in the entire draft. Oh wow! Yeah, so so he's best receiver, you know, best breakaway, for like whole lot of whole lot of positive uh, uh, attributes uh, scored for him. Um, I think it's it's the value of the position in general. I know yeah. there were 22 running backs taken, and uh, several went before Dixon, but uh, a lot of people thought he was the second best in the draft. So based on your description, Lorenzo Talifero should be concerned about his job. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, Talifero, I don't, I'm not sure Richardson's going to make the team. I mm-hmm. think there's a possibility. He's got to be an outside shot to make it, right? He's, not a, he's certainly not a favorite going in. It's a, it, it's kind of a stylistic choice, so I think they may decide they want a power back, and in, in that case they'll do it. And maybe they'll maybe Forsett is the guy who goes. I mean, you know, it's. it's I mean, also Bucket 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 Allen's also there. You assume mm-hmm. he's going to. Oh, he'll make it. Yeah, yeah. So so it'll be a question of Allen and to me, Allen and Henry are the sure ones. That we, sorry, Allen and Dixon are the sure. Dixon, ones. yeah. But barring some sort of injury, but uh, but the the third the third position is open. Usechek presumably is the fullback. They signed another UDFA fullback. That's just an injury protection. But I, I really, you know, I, I don't see Talifero making it at this point, and and I think that Richardson's chance would be less than less than even money. Right. But it sounds like it's it's almost a good thing. There's it's not because Talifero is bad. It's because we have other good options. Yeah, we got options. Yeah. We don't need to let everyone make the team. All right. Good by job, the, everyone. Way, fun fact. Yeah. Ken Dixon for the Orioles over four seasons gave up eighty-five home runs. That's impressive. Yeah. How many innings pitched? Uh, I don't have that up. But I get this. I love that this, these stats are available. Out of those 85 home runs, five of them were leadoff home runs, one walk-off, nine game-tying, 28 were go-ahead home runs. Ooh, yikes. That's, that's not coming through in high-level situations. No. <laughs> you, you know what his nickname was. No, what's that? Dr. Longball. Oh, Dr. Longball. Dr. That Longball. Sounds, that sounds about right. That sounds about like right. like it. So, congratulations, everyone. We made it through the fourth round. <laughs> Still got a couple more picks. We'll be quick. Fifth round, yeah. Okay, yeah. so after all the pass rushers they've they acquired at this point, and including uh, Henry being a guy from the inside who could rush, they got Matt Juden at number 146 in the fifth round. Situational pass rush in the NFL led Division II with, with 20 sacks uh, this last year. So uh, uh, described as raw technically, but he certainly has the size, uh, real good length, and uh, supposedly he's a, he's a three-point or two-point guy. But uh, but an exciting uh, pickup, and uh, that wasn't the end of it. As a UDFA, they picked up a guy named Victor Ochi, who also is a is a highly thought of pass rusher who didn't get drafted. So uh, uh, quite a stable of pass rushers they have, and I think that the 2017 is coming soon. And uh, Doomerville or Suggs, at least one of them, will probably not be with the team. 
yep. uh, in in 2017, and they're they're making they're starting the transition now, which is the right time to do it. Yep, agreed. And then we get to our Navy boy, a Navy boy. Keenan. Finally, a guy I recognized. The name, <laughs> of. name we knew. Uh, Keenan Reynolds, number one eighty-two. Okay, I, I, there are really good comparisons being made to him. Charles Davis says he reminds him of Brian Mitchell, and he's done some training apparently with Brian Mitchell. So a, a return man, running back, and Brian Mitchell was, of course, a quarterback coming out of school. Mike Mayock says no, he's more like Julian Edelman, who was a quarterback coming out of school and became this great slot receiver, and that's apparently what the Ravens are going to try and make him into a slot receiver and punt returner. Um, frankly, if either of those comparisons were even near true, I'd take it. That's a sixth round. Yeah, if you can get any of that, right, right. any value out of sixth round. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so is this what Tim Tebow could have been if he would have not been so stubborn? And wanting to run the ball every day? Right. Yeah. right. Um, uh, it's a good question. <laughs> no, I think I, I think, couldn't no. imagine Tim Tebow as a slot receiver, though. No, right? but, no they, pushed, they pushed him for a tight end. Fullback. Yeah, yeah. Tight end, fullback. Yeah, but yeah. just a guy who doesn't have to be the quarterback, just wants to be in the NFL. Yeah. And help a team. Well, whatever Tim Tebow does, he makes millions of dollars. So he does. He does. He doesn't play football for that. He doesn't. Our very last pick. Very last pick. Maurice Kennedy from Virginia uh, at number two hundred nine. Tall corner. Uh, kind of tall corner. Doesn't. He's, he's not a um, a length guy, despite his height, because he has very below average arm length. Uh, just average speed. Um, and the the knock on him is that he's not particularly physical. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, the Ravens haven't had all of their lowly drafted corners even make the team. So there's a, a reasonable chance he won't make it. And with 11 draft picks, it's probably a pretty good chance this is a year where the Ravens don't keep them all on the roster. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I'm very happy with the set of selections. they got a couple explosive playmakers in, in Dixon and Reynolds. Lots of pass rushers to choose from to try and put the chess pieces together for third down. The one thing that, that kind of bothers me, and, and, and right now I'm, I'm going back and I'm watching a lot of past Ravens years and, and looking at, at a, a lot of things about the defense, but the thing that, that I know notice about the Lewis era, the Nolan era, and the Ryan era is they really knew how to make use of the dime, and that meant they had a, they had a safety in the box on passing situations that we now consider nickel situations with two linebackers. But you get a little bit of coverage and more pass rush flexibility, I feel, when you get a when you get a linebacker in there in the dime sorry, when you get a safety in there playing dime. And and the Ravens did it with a bunch of journeyman guys playing the dime. The two thousand Ravens had a lot of their high leverage downs were played with Robert Bailey, James Trapp, and Corey Harris on the field, and you remember the starting eleven. You don't remember those guys, probably. Right. Yeah. But uh, but they're they're the guys who were just very significant to uh, to making that defense work. Now they're most. It sounds like most of the holes the Ravens had have been kind of filled. The only one I'm hearing about possibly is inside linebacker. Uh, is there is there there's no one from that draft class who fits that? Have has there been? I haven't been paying attention. Has there been someone that we've signed um, after the draft? Uh, in the inside linebacker. And what do you see the Ravens doing with that inside linebacker position outside of C.J. Mosley, of course? Right. They, they had five guys make the team an inside linebacker last year, and one of them made it because of his versatility, and, and that was McClellan. Right. And he ended up playing all of his snaps during the regular season at outside linebacker. Didn't play an inside linebacker at all. Um, Arthur Brown made the team as effectively as a special teams guy, and uh, he saw just a handful of snaps during the regular season um, on the field. 
and I think he might get more of a chance this year. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I've never a, heard a bench player talked about more than Arthur Brown. <laughs> <laughs> well, they gave up so much to get him, but he's at the tipping point right now. Since it's his fourth year in the league, and he was signed originally as a drafted player, um, they have to they they don't have to go through with it. But they have him signed for this year, as opposed to him being a, a restricted free agent. But the they do have a gain from cutting him. So if they cut him, they pick up some salary okay. cap. And it, it, effectively, if they don't use him, if they're really ready to give up on him, then they might they might let him go. They've got to be happier with him to keep him this year than they were last year, if that right. makes sense. So if they don't cut him, presumably they would use him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um, think so. But Orr will be the starter. He'll he'll be the starter next to Mosley. Hmm. Zach Orr. Okay. Okay. And how do you feel about that? I, I like Orr. He, he played a three-linebacker, three-ILB set for the Ravens last year. Some coverage ability. Um, they used him more as a pass rusher than anything else, so we'll we'll see how it works out. I I uh, I would I would say he's a two down player, and I bring in a safety on third down. But Dean Pease doesn't seem to agree with that, and has barely used the dime defense in the last three years. Yeah, and we and we have I should have introduced him pop, more pro- properly. Uh, Ken McCusick, who writes for Russell Street Report, and there's no one who watches more films on the Ravens than than than, than Ken, and he and he writes about it and blogs about it on Russell Street Report, and he knows what he's talking about, obviously. Obviously, you can hear him, and you know what he's talking about. Uh, Dean Pease, you mentioned him a couple of times here. What, what what are your general thoughts on Dean Pease and the defense he runs compared to maybe the other defense coordinators we've had? I mean, I, I just I don't agree with the treatment of high leverage downs. I, I I don't know how much you want to go into it on this show because it's a it's probably a topic for an entire show itself. But I, <laughs> I like I like having a safety next to the inside other inside linebacker, which would be Mosley in in the box on third down because I think it gives you more options on how you want to attack the offense. When you only have one defense that you can set out on third down, and essentially that's what the Ravens have. They have a nickel defense with two inside linebackers, so you have a you have a slot a slot corner and two outside corners, and it just really gives you one way to, to defend, and that means that your opposing offensive coordinator can figure out lots of ways to beat that and not have to worry about too much else. Yeah. This uh, It's baseball season, so I don't want to get – and I'm tempted by his offer to spend the rest of the show talking about high leverage situations and DPs. <laughs> I'm actually tempted by it. Uh, but when we get into the Ravens season, uh, Mr. Film Study, we got to get you back in here. And I want to I want to get more into that kind of stuff, that high leverage situations. I find that stuff interesting. I know a lot about that stuff in terms of baseball and the sabermetrics in baseball. I know less in football, even though I know sabermetrics is becoming more and more popular in in football, um, as evidenced by the the Cleveland Browns hiring. Uh, who did they recently Dessa. hire? Dave Podesta. Uh, yeah, Podesta. So uh, it obviously is becoming more important. Now, can they help the Browns is a, <laughs> a whole other story. But let, let's get to some. I think it's a fairly thorough breakdown of our draft. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, it's May. We need to ask the question, did they do enough to get back in the playoffs next year? I think we need to ask this question way early, like May. Yeah, like before we even know who's exactly. on the roster yet. Exactly. We need I, to ask I, this think, question. I think now's the time to ask the question. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm excited about the draft picks. the The entire league got so much bigger in this draft. I mean, part of that being a, a big de- draft at defensive tackles. But yes, I, I I think they're back in discussions. I think that the Steelers, in particular, were a team who didn't do a whole lot in the draft, and and uh, I'd be excited from that standpoint. Bengals had a pretty good draft, um, but but I like what the Ravens did, and they had a lot of picks, so they should have. Yeah. There. Can I ask you one more question about the draft, and then we'll, I promise <laughs> we'll we'll move on to talk about the Orioles. <laughs> I, I'm interested in baseball recently. I've been seeing this where the past couple of years where they tie a monetary value to the draft pick. So they'll say like um, a third round pick is worth this amount of money, which helps when you're like making a trade to know this kind of guy has this kind of future value in a monetary sense. Are there 
uh, direct cor- 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 correlations when you know this guy's going to be under contract for four years. So this third round pick has this monetary value. Is, is that going on? I, I haven't heard it tied to monetary value. There's a there's a trade value chart for the draft that is okay. that is pretty. It's known as the Jimmy Johnson chart. It starts at three thousand points for the number one pick, and the second pick's worth twenty six hundred, then twenty two hundred, and and it goes down by less and less as you as you go in that the very last pick, Mr. Irrelevant, might be worth one. Right. <laughs> no, right. Um, I prefer the Jimmy Johns chart. Yeah. That's what I rate my stuff by. I guess it's yeah. even more in baseball now where we've seen draft picks traded for players. And so you get some of that. Right. And like when we trade, what did trade Ryan Webb to the Dodgers? Somehow we trade to the Dodgers, but then we also gave him the draft pick. And it had to do with, you know, how much Ryan Webb was worth from the value standpoint. So we get rid of that money that we're paying Ryan Webb to how much that draft pick value well, was And there's got to be some of that in the NFL because there are draft picks traded. So right. there, are, there is a value. It, so You see it more like uh, picks for picks, and that's when you get to yes. that, that, that chart. Yes. Um, anyway, all right. You know, something Mike said, or, or Ken said. Mr. Film Study. Mr. Film Study Show some said, respect. Yeah. Well, I, I had the name Michael in my mind because uh, it reminded me, some of our previous defensive coordinators, what, what, what do you get when you combine Mike Nolan and Rex Ryan? I don't know. A foot fetish and a heck of a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan Ryan, get it? <laughs> We're bringing the zany. Wink, wink. This is when you need button with the laugh track, man. I know. That that one time I don't have laugh my laugh track. track hooked up. Yeah. Shoot. All right. Let's get to some Orioles talk. The 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 big news uh, that recently ha- came down a couple days ago: the injury to JJ Hardy. This kind of that is, was on Sunday. On right? Sunday, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is on top of. Um, the the slight injury to to Zach Britton, we don't think it's that serious, but it's there. On top of a uh, week before that, the injury to Giovanni Gallardo, mm-hmm. injuries starting to pile up. And we still have a guy that Matt Weeders who isn't playing back to back nights. Yeah, I think he pulled off one back to back last good, week. Good for him. Back to back. Welcome to be a professional <laughs> baseball player. <laughs> uh, the JJ Hardy injury specifically seems to be the biggest of the injuries. Yeah. He had never broken a bone his entire life. It's milk. But he, he he's got to drink some, more milk. He not did miss some games last toy. year, so this is not the first time he's he's, he's getting up there in age. Yeah, but but sure. I think the 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 frustrating thing about JJ Hardy is that he worked hard this year to be better, and I think we've we've seen watching him on just his first month that he was improved and had more mobility. Yes, they were giving him days off once in a while and stuff to try to make sure he can make it through the year, and I think we were expecting back spasms, not a six to eight week injury no amount of hard work can get rid of osteoporosis which is what's happened to this 30 something year old shortstop <laughs> just that, that, that's, never that's, had a broken you know, bone you know bird you, know, you are older than he is all right it's a foul ball off his foot and now he's out for eight weeks give me a break <laughs> um people i josh i'm not saying you have some people have poo-pooed the jj hardy injury they're saying he's only batting two forty four. He's not what he want. He's not what he once was defensively. And they say you're gonna lose a guy. JJ Hardy's not a bad guy to lose. No, it, yeah, some of them have, Mark Trumbo or some something. of them have even gone so far as to say maybe we're even better without JJ Hardy. Not me. No, not if you is, is no. there. But but if you're putting Ryan Flaherty in to replace him. Okay. Okay, but J.J. Hardy is batting two forty four this year. J.J. Hardy is not the elite defender he was. Yeah, three but years what did ago. Ryan Flaherty bat last year? One ninety eight. Okay. Fine, so you lose fifty uh, points on the. Hey, right now you think uh, I've said that I said this the whole season. Right now, uh, who's the better 
uh, shortstop Manny Machado, JJ Hardy. It's got to be Ma- Ma- Manny Machado, right? Manny Machado is the best at every position than whoever's there right now. Yeah, that's, <laughs> he's yeah, a better that's pitcher than true. Chris Tillman, probably. That's probably true. <laughs> but that's yes, true. yes, I would agree with you. Yeah. So uh, and it's fun. I like seeing Manny Machado shortstop. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Uh, so we don't poop with the JJ J. Hardy injury. It, it, it's no, it's, it's a significant. It's a blow. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a guy who I, I said this year he was going to make a huge bounce back season. And he was going to be a big impact player. It's going to hurt. Yeah, I don't have his. Let me pull up his war. I would imagine he's not. JJ Hardy's not a big war guy, right? He probably has a one war, maybe two on a on a on a, on a good yeah, year. Yeah, but what's, Hardy. what's Flaherty? Negative one? No, no. He's going to give you. He's he's not going to give you negative. He's going to give you something. Well, I'm just saying, JJ Hardy is a replaceable kind of guy, right? I mean, we're we're looking at eight straight weeks of nobody caring about Ryan Wagner. That's true. That's the thing, the big story here, <laughs> that fans are missing out on that Jay, Jay, yeah, Hardy. Yeah, that's all I really care about. Yeah, and the and the fact that the defense is going to suffer a little bit. He, JJ Hardy is a point five WAR this season. Right, so early. Two, How did he do last year? Two point seven defensive. Uh, last year he was a zero. Okay, He's and all, he had a bad year. We all said he had a bad year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, a, a plus guy defensively. Though I don't, I'm skeptical. And Ken, I want to get your perspective on this. Josh, and if you can look it up, I'm bad at looking up stuff and talking. Multitasking. <laughs> Multitasking. That's a thing. It's a thing. I'm bad at. Flirty's <laughs> a, neg- a negative point All one. right, Josh. But what I'm talking, like half a point. can you look up uh, Jonathan Scope? I want to know what his defensive war is. Because here's I my issue. I hope good because he's having no, a No, I don't think season. it is. And I want to get Ken's perspective on this. In that I, don't, I do not trust the defensive metrics. I don't trust them. Because I see like Jonathan Scope. Who who I see as a good defender. I don't know all the factors that play into that um, because I know, I don't know like his his biggest asset is his his arm strength. Um, I don't know how much that plays into it. It's a zero. His defensive war. It's a zero. Yeah, but I look at, at him as a plus second baseman, and that's why I become a little bit skeptical a little bit skeptical with war overall, specifically the defensive war, is because I don't believe him. Because I look at Jonathan Scope and I see an above average second baseman. You go to Fangraphs defensive war. And instead, he's average. Right. I don't buy that. Well, de- de- isn't defensive stats weird because of how they decide what's a hit, what's not, what's in someone's range, what's not in their range? So, like, if uh, Scope goes for a ball and dives and it bounces off his glove, that hurts him. Where if he just didn't have the range to get to that ball, he's okay as far as defensive stats, right? It's kind of weird. Yeah. I, I okay. It, there's a there's a there's a, a lack of transparency in war in general, and particularly on the defensive side. Oh, I love I that lack of transparency yeah, with war. It's, Down with war. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> but but on, on the if if you're just looking at Jonathan Scope, the field, like, terrific. Yeah, let's talk about Jonathan Scope for a second. Terrific at turning the double play. Yes. Range modest. Right. He for, does. He's not the, very quick. Right. Uh, he lacks. He lacks, and then that's why he doesn't score one defensive. But it takes into account his strong arm and ability to turn the double play, or no? Like, yeah. Did, oh, yeah, it would, be, it would take into account that. Yeah. yeah. But it holds against his range. I, fine, fine, fine. Are, are, sticking on scope, are you surprised how bad he's been at the plate this season? Yeah. Well, he's we, had a good spring training, too. He good had a bat good and spring. I, we really, not many strikeouts. We really thought this was the year he takes a step up and really becomes like Machado's right-arm guy. Actually, like by performing, not just the guy for high fives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. He, he's struggled. Um, a lot of strikeouts like last year. Uh, he's got 17 strikeouts so far. It's that I think he's been one of the most disappointing uh, 
players on the offense to Jonathan Scope just because his expectations going into this year were high. I'm kind of glad you guys are saying this because that, that just means he's going to have a great night tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope so. Absolutely. By the way, they were just showing a graphic on Masson about Jonah Heim, mm-hmm. who's tearing it up at, at, um, at Frederick. Friend of the show? Yeah, friend of the show, Jonah Heim. Uh, shout out to Jonah Heim's grandmother, by the way. Hey. <laughs> and, 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 and his dad. His dad invited me to the game on Saturday, but I couldn't make it. Oh, How really? bad. I already told Frederick. the girls. I take him to the Orioles. Why did you not tell me about this? Uh, you were in Virginia. You but were you, out of town. But you didn't know that when Jonah Himes' dad invited you. You didn't know that. No, I haven't. I haven't spread that friendship to you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's stingy hold with up, his friends. I was the person originally texted Jonah. I yeah. got Jonah's number. You don't. How'd you get in that? Uh, I don't want to uh, get into um, this. I don't want to get into this. This is getting uh, his grandmother really likes me. This is getting behind the scenes in the show. <laughs> it's getting ugly. Uh, I don't. I don't want to go there. Um. Are we concerned at all about the the Zach Britton injury? Am hey, I wrong in saying Scope just got a double on cue? Let's keep trashing so him. Told a double you on cue. Uh, am I wrong for saying if I'm Zach Britton or if I'm Buck Showalter, I'm saying Zach Britton throw the ball? They had the scary play on Saturday, mm-hmm. and when he dove at the guy, yeah, tagged him. Yeah, and then on Sunday, you're you're, you're stupid if you're telling Zach Britton not to make that play. Throw the ball and just stand there. Yeah. It's, he is a baseball player. It's a natural reaction to try to go get the ball and get it to first base. He's the, the best closer in baseball. Are you willing to let him how, get injured how trying irritated. to pick up a bunt that a beautifully no. placed drag bunt that you're not going to get him out anyway? Just get the next how guy. Irritated. Just get the next guy. How irritated he had two outs. If a pitcher, all he did was pitch, and then when balls come, he just If he was the greatest pitcher of all time, I'll take it. Yeah, but that's not Zach Britton. No, I know. Though, I tell you what, the quickest way, if you wanted to – to tank a team, if you were going all 76ers and want to tank the season, you know the, 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 the best way to do it? Potholes. Sign Tommy Hunter as your closer. Just sign a bad closer. That is the absolute best well, way to tank, tank a season. He's in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Is he in Atlanta? Oh, I don't know. Jim Johnson's in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, Bud Norris is in Never Atlanta. Never mind. I'm thinking of other former bad Orioles. <laughs> yeah. but I, Who are already on a bad team. It's just so important to have an eighth and ninth inning guy for those high-level situations Sure. Uh, that – Zach Britton is so essential to this team. So essential. Right. Because, okay, fine. You can move O'Day to that closer spot. But, but, and, then, and then you become weaker in the eighth. Yeah, but then you've got Brock. we got Givens, who hasn't been as strong as he was last year. And but Givens hasn't been as strong as last year? No, nah, I feel like he's got he, some like 21 strikeouts over 12 innings. Yeah, and, and, and w- more runs than anyone else in the bullpen. Yeah, yeah he's, he's had some pitching, definitely some bad luck this year. Yeah. High batting average with balls in play, which usually doesn't stick. Yeah, it's true. That'll even out. I think the, the Chicago White Sox expose Zach Britton. That all you got to do is dribblers and bunts down the first baseline. <laughs> and, and make him dive. Make him, make him beat you with his hands and his glove. You talk about changing behaviors like that. You remember when we had Kevin Brown? We, again, the Orioles had <laughs> Kevin Brown. And, yes, and great sinker ball pitcher. Great sinker ball pitcher and made it all the more dangerous for him because his right hand was always free to reach for a ball that was hit up the oh, middle. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. And they could not fix that, that it's thing. It's just a natural reflex. You had to go for it. Mm-hmm. He, he went to a psychiatrist for it, couldn't get it corrected. <laughs> really? I didn't know he was a psychiatrist <laughs> for it. That's funny. You, yeah, you just can't do it. I'm sure Jim Abbott did the same thing. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Josh. It's, it's a natural reaction. Too far, too, too far have you, Josh. Have you seen my dog out there? Runs with the three legs. Doesn't even know what the I would have renamed that dog Jim Abbott. <laughs> I should. Uh, the, so, but Mike Britton will be fine. He'll come, back in a, he'll come back in a day or two. Yeah. Tommy Hunter's only pitched in uh, one inning this year. Wow. For All the right. Cleveland Indians. Got a loss, and then I don't know what happened to him. All right, we're we're watching right now, Madison. Joey Ricard Rick, 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 Bat. 
Uh, is the, I the, think the, 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 the sentiment across Burland Bur is Ricard needs to play less. Everybody else, whether your name is Ryan Moore or Kim, needs to play more. Can right. we all kind of agree with that? Well, I, I take don't that know. and run? I don't know because, for one, I think for some reason that's became the thing of let's hate on Rickert. And there's a, so much hate on Rickert yeah. right now. Yeah. Suddenly it went from let's praise Rickert to let's hate on Rickert. And Josh is like, hold up, I'm still trying to sell some of these t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but what I don't get is, all right, Lymolt and Kim, and, I, and, and they're doing well when they're in the game, but they're in the game limitedly. Right. And is it because Buck's putting them only in situations that are lined up for them to do well? Yeah. Well, it's it's, certainly, like, it's partly it, and you don't want to Is Lyle an everyday player? Until he gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we saw a little bit dumb and young used, ex, uh, used in certain situations with really increased his value. Right. Uh, and Joey Rickard, to his to his defense, it seems like every time you, you look up, he has a three-in-one count or a three-in-two count. He like seems he works to, the count. Right. He seems to work the count. Which is what you want. Especially but, as that leadoff guy to give Machado some protection. He's yeah, getting some pitches, seeing sure, the ball. Sure, but ultimately what you want is a guy who gets on base a lot. Right. That, I mean, that's the most important thing. He's getting on base and, a lot. And, I, and, and I, Joe Rickard, outside the first two weeks of the season, yes. hasn't been doing that. And I and I agree that... But you I, know who has? Rymo. Jansu Kim. And Nolan Rymo. Jansu yeah. Kim gets a hit every time he hits that bat. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I don't think... At I, this I, rate... I really think that's limited situations. That's you do the complete not think, opposite of spring training. Do you, do you, what do you think the chances are? Remember when we did that show... Saying, what do the Orioles need to do to go to 162 and out? Mm-hmm. What does Hyunsu Kim need to do to bat 600 for the season? Because that's what he's at right now. <laughs> Get hurt right now. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right, and that's, that's pretty much the only scenario in which I end the season at 600. But but I do I would like to see Rymolt at least get in the game more. And I I like I think Rickert is great because you can put him in late in the game. I think right now we have a. Uh, stupid bench because it's useless. It's, it is a useless bench. And, you know, I, we're just talking about this before the show briefly, but occasionally teams use freaky strategies like this, and this might be the time for one because the Orioles have so few pinch hit bats. The only bench play they really make right now is to remove Trumbo in the late innings for defensive purposes. Mm-hmm. But Kim is not a defensive replacement. He's not somebody you really want on the bases because he's not all that fast. He's the only place where he has real value is with the lumber in his hands. So if and he, even that is somewhat limited. It's it. Well, we we, we don't know. We don't. We really don't know. And, it's a, and, and he's the so tiniest far, sample size possible. Okay. What, what what I was going to suggest is you have a player who is providing some value defensively, Rickard, who plays the same position as Kim. But if you're going to bat Rickard leadoff, why not bat Kim leadoff? Have him bat once and then be replaced by Rickard. You're not using your bench anyway. So well, you get one at bat per game out of Kim. If you're on the road. He can take it without even playing an inning in the field. If you're at home, he's got to, he's got to play one inning in the field. Which, sure. by the way, you know yeah. you, you don't want to play nine innings to get four at bats in the field. But you maybe you play one and you get one at bat in the field. Sorry, right. one at bat at the plate. I I, I like this strategy because yeah. Kim is useless on the bench anyway. Buck doesn't even look at Kim on the bench. So I like the strategy of giving him one at bat a game, yeah. especially if we're on the road and he doesn't have to play the field. Uh, I think that's interesting. And a right hand interesting. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's what could be fun. And yeah. Rickard goes in. He essentially becomes the number nine hitter for the team. Machado goes back to batting leadoff. Yep. And for all intents and purposes. For the right, right. I appreciate that it's unorthodox. My, one of my concerns, though, is we right now have a, a three-man bench. Um, that would essentially make us – are you a two man? Are, are you really counting Kim as yeah, a member have, of the bench? He's he's not providing any value on the bench. So yeah. what, I what, count him there. The only value is if somebody gets hurt. The only and value he has is to go is in. injury. You, you have Reimold and Joseph are the two people on the bench. 
right now in, in, the, in the typical situation. I mean, you don't you don't use the other players. So <laughs> well, well, then why do teams have these four man, man benches? Why, why why don't we just go with a two man bench? Well, have you seen our bullpen? If there's injuries, we can put some of those guys out in the outfield. It's just it's unorthodox. It seems unusual. Well, it's unusual to have a bench that's useless. Like right, that's, that's the problem. Your bench is filled with guys like Orion Flaherty who can play multiple positions, who or can give some, or some guys speed. occasional day rest, or can be a late in de- defensive replacement. And it is. Our bench is unique because well, the our ga- guys don't bring that. The game has evolved is the way I would, I would put it. Is In the 1970s, the Orioles had at occasions eight pitchers on their pitching staff, and it was very frequent for them to hire nine, and a little bit unusual under Weaver to have ten on the on the staff because he really concentrated a lot of innings into a few pitchers. Well, but, you're throwing, yeah, guys are throwing complete games. Uh, but here's here's how that changes the game, though. Even with the DH, or if, even before pitchers, you know, had to be pinch hit for all the time, you you have a whole lot more bench players than you have relievers, and so it's it's kind of like the last change went to the offense. So they brought in a left-hander reliever. Oh, okay, we'll bring in our right-hander, and he'll face right. you. But now it's they bring in your left-hander, and well, that's that. You, it's lefty-lefty. Right. So you, you, the, the last change used to go to the offense, and now it goes to the defense. And it's the nature of the game is more pitching-specific, pitching matchup-related than it ever was. Yeah. This would never fly in the National League. <laughs> well, our, our team, it's just it's really interesting to think about our bench, right? Because – Think about it. I know J.J. Hardy's hurt now, but you get to the eighth inning. J.J. Hardy's up. You have a righty on, a righty comes into pitch. So you think, okay, I can pinch at Hyun Kim. But the way our bench stands now, and this is before they brought Ryan Flaherty back, that there would be no one to play that shortstop position. Right. Mm-hmm. You would have to swing around Manny Machado and then put, I don't know, Pedro Alvarez or Chris Davis at third. Mm-hmm. But then you're all of a sudden you're moving a lot of parts around for one inning, which is something you don't want to do mm-hmm. going in the last Wh- inning. Which is where this leadoff Kim strategy works. Yeah, I, I kind of like I'm, it. I'm kind of. I want. I'm I have to take one at bat and then and then replace. Yeah, I, I think, like. This. I would like someone at Utah Street Report to do a little more research on this and uh, write a nice article. Get yeah. Buck's attention. I like this idea. I think you're onto something there. Plus, when you're home, everyone gets to start the game with his theme song. Oh yeah, we you all get, get to hear the song. Everyone's happy. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the way to start a game. He's going to hit a single up the middle, a line drive up the middle, or an infield hit. One of the two. And then everyone goes home happy. Right. And Ken's happy. Takes you on the bench. I mean, uh, not Ken, but Kim. Yeah. Kim, Kim. Ken's happy because his idea worked. Kim's happy because he got his head. Get some playing time. What? If you guys had, if you guys were coaching the Orioles right now, it's interesting. No J.J. Hardy. Ryan Flaherty's starting the third tonight. Right. What would you guys do? Let's assume it's a righty. Uh, a righty's at the uh, righty's pitching. Who would you guys? Your options are third base. Pedro Alvarez have played third base a lot. Played a lot of games at third base. For, for the Pirates, um, you go with Chris Davis, who's played third which, base, which, played it well. Which I don't know. That seems you to like go with Ryan Flaherty. Chris Davis seems to not even be an option, which doesn't make sense to me. Or you can go with Manny Machado. Who would you guys? And then you would have someone else have to play short, like Ryan Flaherty. Right. Who would you guys have against a righty play third base? Would you say I go screw defense, put Pedro in there? No, you go, you go, Chris Davis at third base. Bring Trumbo into first base, Rymold in right field, and now you have all your best bats in the lineup. And then you do the Kim leadoff thing. Everyone's in. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think Alvarez would have to be it. I mean, it's not it's definitely a downgrade, but at least he has experience playing there. I wouldn't put Davis over there. He's the best first baseman in, in the American. Yeah, League. I mean that's the argument. You're you're, right, you're right. 
you're making one position, you're lessening one position, and Chris Davis is sure. comfortable the and difference, good, the difference. and only for a temporary amount of time. Right. Where one thing is comfortable on third base, you're going to move well, him back to first and, base. And wasn't that Buck's hesitation this afternoon as we saw him slot in Flaherty at short and Machado at third and then changed it? Yeah, he well, did. That, what, that, did that he had it? to be. A what was the explanation? Did he give an explanation for that? Was that a, like a typo? No, he he <laughs> said uh, he had a meeting with Manny in oh. his office, and a then meeting a, with Manny. and then I heard it was Manny and uh, JJ Hardy had some in, input, and Flaherty had some input. Oh, so decided. it was like a one-on-one meeting that turned into like a group meeting, right? Oh, I, wow. I, I I don't know, but but that has to be why would when Machado's great at third base, why move him? And it had, <laughs> and I assume it's then Machado saying, "Hey, I, I'd like to." play short and i love it i love machado playing short i think he's awesome at short well yeah because it's the future yeah right? yeah and i think there's i think it's a more important position than third base and what? i think other players can play at play a third third base and survive right. if we're sitting here saying we can put pedro not, alvarez there and be okay yeah then what are we doing wasting manny there not not everyone can play well what's the chance that we it's can it's not a waste he's, no, yeah, he's no, the best third baseman as long as you have a good shortstop like jj hardy there's no reason to mess with it any chance that we rehab jj hardy into a third baseman no, no zero he will, he will be a shortstop until he retires next, Def- after next year. Defensive <laughs> war for Alvarez's career is minus 4.8. <laughs> offensive war is 9.7, so it took away half his value to play defense at third primarily. Yeah, but I still would imagine that's more value than a Ryan Flaherty brings. Well, Ryan Flaherty, uh, yeah, he's uh, – I, I lost his, his stats. I had him up earlier. Well, he, what was it? he was a point one. He's a, he, he's a, he's a reverse. He's plus four in defense. He's negative 50. On offense, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> ah, sorry. What are you doing over there? You turned on the game? No, I, I just, I tried to hit the X and my phone made a noise. All no, right. stop! You're making all types stop. of noises over there. Jeez, a stupid MLB app. All right, we're running out of, out of, out of time for the show. I wanted to make a couple, mention a couple things. First of all, I wanted to shout out to Manny Machado beating out Josh Donaldson and being the um, player the, of the month. The player of the month, which is kind of a big deal. That is a big. I deal. mean. It's Manny Machado, and he's up to he's off to an MVP season. Yeah, it's nice to have the best third baseman it's, in the game. Have you noticed that there's been some articles written saying Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Manny Machado? He's actually getting included in that conversation now. Yeah. Can I tell you something that pisses me off? That's one of my pet peeves now. What's that? Uh, and I know um, that Bryce Harper just signed a huge deal with Under Armour. No, I think that's awesome. As you're wearing your Under Armour shirt, I, I, you know I, I represent Under Armour um, in, in in more ways than one. But the Jason Kapora, uh, and 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 not just him, but a lot of people like he always does a hashtag pay Manny, and a lot of people are talking about you got to pay Manny now. I always find that entire discussion so obnoxious. The the pay Machado now, because I think it's I think it's dumb. I think it's insane to pay pay Manny Machado now. I think there's no it doesn't make sense. You don't want to tie him up for the next few years. Well, I don't think it makes sense. It's, it's not. Do you think that because we pay him now, we have a better shot than paying him in a few years? Well, either way, he's going to sign either here or New York. I mean, well, and, he's and not he, going to say, oh, well, you're giving me the money a year early, so I'll sign with you. Yeah, and the thing is, they think, well, you can pay because like, this year he's making $5 million. So if you pay him $15 million this year, you can um, he'll make more now, but kind of you he'll, right, he'll less money. Yeah, but, At his level of earnings, he's passed that that yeah, pressure point. I know, and that's my argument. He's making $5 million this year. It's not like he can't go out and buy anything he wants. So there's no motivation for him. Like, what's the difference between 5 and $15 million to him? It's, he can wait until 2019. $10 well, sure, but he can. it's not like he can't buy anything he, he wants to buy. And I know, but waits, how many times have we had the conversation of how much money is enough? And apparently, 
As an athlete, it's never enough money. But if he waits to 2019, and the only reason he would sign now, if for some reason he he was making like 500000 and he wanted more money now to buy that huge mansion, which he, he doesn't need. And if he waits to 2019, he's going to make, uh, I don't know, $400 million. He's going to make an insane amount of money. Mm-hmm. Insane. Like the start, start and bid uh, at $400 million, and let's go up from there. Until yeah. the Yankees bid $500 million and sign him. But there's no motive. I don't see any motivation for him to sign now. And so it's not that the Orioles don't want to sign him now. It's why would Manny Machado sign now? Would he at 2019 he can get into a, a bidding war and make, you know, one of the biggest contracts we've ever seen? Patience is a virtue. That's yeah, a thing, there's right? no there's no motivation for him to sign now. Yeah, not huh. not he'd be, he'd be dumb to. He'd be dumb to sign now. Wait. Well, Wait, every, every, every year. Well, and that's that's part of it is people are, want the Orioles to sign now like they're going to outsmart Manny Machado and his agent yeah, and get a deal. It yeah. doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. They're I, not dumb. I mean, we saw what Jason Hayward made. It's just going to get more and more and more. We saw what Gene Carlos Stanton made. It's just going to go up and up and up and up. The only right. way you can, you can maybe, I don't know if it's outsmart the player, but get the player to, to, to buy into himself is, is to get him to, to essentially wager on himself by, by giving him incentives within the contract that if he reaches him, he gets paid even more. But you know, that would be the kind of thing where you, know, you, you have to give him meaningful incentives that are, that are you know, probably likely to be reached that can be very actually arduous in terms of how the contract negotiations go, but you're going to end up paying the guy. Thirty-eight to forty-five million dollars a year. Yeah, you know when the time comes. What, what if we just leave notes around the locker room, questioning his knees, reminding <laughs> him he could get hurt again? Put out some tunsil videos yeah. on right yeah. around the contract. On <laughs> uh, you know, like a pothole that he has to like barely miss and stuff once in a while. Let him know he's fragile. Yeah. Meanwhile, he'll keep playing one hundred and sixty-two games and hitting doubles. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, right. One of these road trips make it seem like the plane's going to go down. Get his attention. And I'm just saying, and I love how we talk about guys and then they do well. Yeah, but it's doubles every time we talk about them. Double yeah. for Manny. Uh, but but like, and we're talking about a free agency in 2000, in 2019. So let's let's enjoy these few years of Manny Machado. All right, yeah. let's just chill out and enjoy I, these few years of Manny Machado. Right, and then we'll have plenty of time to talk about cheap Peter Angelos in I a few want, years. Peter Angelos might not even be around. In, 2019. Oh, Josh, why do you gotta go there? He's an older why, gentleman. Why, Josh, why you gotta go there? I want to focus. By the on, way, if anything does I'll, happen to him, we will have our dad on for the the grave grave report. report yes. Grave report. Yeah, that that became a uh, favorite segment of our listeners. I was hoping to have him on for Prince last feedback. week, Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, he said he wanted to come in for even celebrity deaths. Prince is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I think that, that would have been deal. appropriate. Yeah. Uh, can we do a weekly check in on Jake Arrieta? Currently. Five shutout innings it, of one hit ball. It, it's bringing Pittsburgh. up Jake Arrieta, not me this time. <laughs> have, and, and a comfortable six to nothing I'm lead. Out, six I'm to leave. nothing lead. I said no more Jake Arrieta talk on the show. Last time I was in Pittsburgh, he threw a no hitter. I know. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> He's got a one hitter now. We, we all know Jake Arrieta is good. Are you think you're breaking news by saying Jake Arrieta is good? I figured we were coming up on the end of the show. It was time for our weekly Jake Arrieta check in. I, I I I had a Jake Arrieta discussion in for last week for at Buffalo Wild Wings just to see Matt freak out live, <laughs> and I didn't get to it. Five thirty eight had a uh, had a had a posting on him that said his peak value had reached the 11th highest of any pitcher in history. So it's not you don't take every you don't take various pitchers and and say Pedro Martinez who was the highest ever would dominate the top of the list if you could take after every start where he was but but it's the highest peak for every single pitcher and he's the 11th highest individual pitcher peak and he's just slightly ahead of Sandy Koufax. <laughs> 
That, that can't last, right? Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. He's already reached that. He's There's a, a peak value. He can't go any value. lower. Kofax can't go any higher, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, no. What he's doing is absolutely historical. He's not just good. He's historically great. He's he's, he's got to be. I don't, I don't know the guy, but if I was Jake Arrieta and I sucked and sucked and sucked in Baltimore and insisted that I was good, and then I go to Chicago, I would be the cockiest pitcher out there. I would be sending letters to Peter Angelos every week. I, I'd, be, I'd be calling the Orioles just to remind them, sending them my box scores. Not only that, he's one for two tonight with an RBI. I know. He's hit, he's hit, <laughs> he's hit more home runs than some of, some of our players. I hate, this, I hate you guys, and I hate this show. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm going to leave start my own podcast. Called Section 3D4. All right, well, we'll be in here with the Jake Arrieta show. Yeah, you guys should start your own freaking Jake Arrieta podcast. You guys love him so much. <laughs> All right, so the Orioles went won seven straight. Now we're uh, 14 and 10. So then they went seven and 10. Next. Yeah. And those, those were, skills, Josh. Yeah, those, so those were tough teams. ACS uh, yeah. skills right there. Well, that's it. No college. Go, but, uh, go, go Eagles. Mr. Seltzer, shout out. I don't know. Miss uh, Miss ha- Hammer. I don't know. Who, who was your math teacher? Uh, Hamrick. Hamrick, yeah. Uh, uh, Shout out, Miss Hamrick. I don't remember who else. Okay, I'm blanking. Mr. Varillo. It was no, a long, no. high school was a long no. time ago. That was a long time ago. I still remember my. That was almost Mr. twenty Varillo, years Mr. ago. Mr. Seltzer, still remember that. Shout out, Mr. Seltzer. Well, you're, you're younger. <laughs> it's salsa, salsa. <laughs> um, but now we have a nice home stretch with some bad teams. We have the Yankees and Oakland. Is it very? I mean, we got to win those series, right? If not, sweep a crappy team like the Yankees. Yeah, the the, the Sunday the, the the Saturday loss was was really tough. To yes, that was a bummer, a big bummer. With Britain going down, that was a game I was felt a, we were going to really walk that fun off. game. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, yeah. when yeah. I yeah, I Davis it. ties it up with that two run double in the eighth. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this, how, that ball game. We, we didn't got even mention that we that went. Game, right? Yeah, yeah, we went. And how 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 late did you guys stay that game? Fourth inning. The kids were there. We got there at five o'clock to do the face painting and the balloon animals and all that stuff. I had all three kids with me. I was like, we're we're get there early. But we were leaving by like the fourth inning. Yeah, I left either the fifth or the sixth. Oh my Something gosh, like guys! I I had uh had three kids on my own. Okay. Okay. So, but at least but, but my we, wife we haven't me. talked about that. We did go to kids club for the first time for both of us. Dugout club. The dugout club. Get it right. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's the seats are crap and way out there, but yeah. but they're cheap, and it was a good time, and the food was cheap. A dollar fifty hot dogs, you can't beat. Yeah. the The biggest tip I have if you're taking kids to the dugout club, do what I did, get there early. Because the lines for the face paint, all the stuff the kids want to do, the bouncy house and all that stuff, the lines get ridiculous. So get there at 5 o'clock, do all the fun stuff, and then leave at the fourth inning. Or <laughs> or be like me and get it's there. A true fan right there. Get yeah. there at 6 o'clock and just steal a balloon from another kid that got there at 5 o'clock. <laughs> Josh, taking candy from a baby. <laughs> we, we took Albie's balloon doll. Oh, it was my, yeah, my it, was, it was your kid. Oh, he doesn't he don't care. I want to go back to something you said earlier because I find this very interesting. But you said Orioles seven and zero to start, seven and ten since then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at seven and zero, I, I look at a cross section of online books primarily from England. There's about approximately twenty of them. And I look at the best available price on the Orioles at that point when they were seven and zero was ten to one to win the East. Okay. Now they've gone another seven and ten. Okay, so they're fourteen and ten now. Mm-hmm. Right. The best odds now available in the Orioles are five to one to win the East. Really? So, so, so those European books give us higher odds after going uh, seven and ten. Well, and that's got to be partially that that was a hard stretch, right? Well, no. My question is, what's that have to do with the other AL East teams, which have been pretty oh, awful too? Uh, right. Uh, New York was supposed to be good, right? 
Toronto and Toronto and Tampa to Bay. Was supposed yeah. to be Only yeah. Boston's above five hundred with us, right? I mean, yeah. this is the first podcast we're doing in second place. That's true. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a year. load of crap. The Red Sox are, <laughs> I think, better than a lot of people thought. At least so far, they're on a hot streak. They play in some bad teams too, like they, they have did starting been. off. They and then, then that shows you. I mean, ba- baseball. We always talk about it's a long season, but part of that long season is the schedule balancing out. Right. Sure. The White it's Sox. When are you play the, the Bra- it's now. when you play the Braves, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, we, we guys, we we have to get out of here. Yeah, we're about an hour fifteen at this point. I know, I know. You guys didn't leave time for my goat story, you punks. Go ahead, tell. We it. got time for your goat story. The listeners to... have stuck around this long; they deserve <laughs> to hear your goat story. Yeah, and if you stuck around this entire time just waiting for this goat story, let me say thank you. That's a loyal right. three three. You're, you're about to start your goat story now. What is wrong with you? So I went to the vet. My goats were born in. You just mute me. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Not Go cool, Josh. Me? He's got too much power over there. My uh, no, I feel like this now. This story has gotten a little bit too much hype. It's not going to live up to the hype. Oh, here, I'll give you a little, uh, a little backup music for your goat story. Okay, I appreciate. You can have the intern's time. Um, when I started my goat story, Mister Film Study just took up the headphones. He's done with this, <laughs> and I, I don't blame him. The <laughs> I took the goats to the vet. Right, um, they were born in February. I have a boy and a girl, uh, and I wanted to ask. They're, they're getting their shots and stuff, and I wanted to ask, is it time? To put the rubber band around the uh, the the testes gonads. of the the gonads, thank you, of the, the mouth, the huevos of the male goat to neuter the male goat. Right? Okay, so we get there, and we do one goat at a time. The other goat's in the truck still. Exactly, want to remove the ball bag, and so I, I say, you know, is it is it time? And she checks them, and she says, no, uh, actually, this is. A girl. I said, oh, that's weird. <laughs> it must be the other goat. So I pull out the other goat um, and check it. And sure enough, two nipples, no gonads. They're both girls. This entire time, I thought I had a boy and a girl. I didn't find out until I got to the vet that it was actually two girls I had the entire time. What did you see that made you think it was I a boy? I thought I saw <laughs> down something hanging down at one point. And so that would have been when some they awkward were born, breeding. I thought something was hanging down. And so I just made the, this. And the, so my question is, which bathroom do they use at Target? Well, <laughs> one of them must have had some kind of gender change when I wasn't looking. <laughs> and the vet said, this stuff happens all the time, though I know the, the vet just said that to make me feel better. No. <laughs> People do not mistake the right. sex of their kids. I didn't know if my kids were a girl or a boy when well, I went to neuter my kid. Was, was this Michael Phelps' vet as well? I don't get the reference. Because he had the girlfriend that used oh, to be yeah, a boy. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, yeah, so I my my kid has a, had a sex change, or I just misidentified my kid's sex. Now, but which was more valuable? Because you were going to get it neutered regardless. Wouldn't a non-neutered right, so male say, be more valuable than a female? Or no, what, he what? he now has females, so that's more valuable, right? Yes, because you can. Because uh, we just got him for milking, so this is this is another. What and the, the neutered goat would have just become goat meat in a matter of months. Uh, now we have another milking goat, which is better. Okay. Okay. More cheese and milk in this Roka house. Absolutely, which is always a good thing. Good. Yeah. I got to get back there and get some of that goat milk. I like it in my breakfast cereal. Well, we got plenty. There's plenty plenty more where that came from. Very good. Okay, now you're going to have to go out there and squeeze it out yourself. Right into my Cheerios? <laughs> That's right. I'll do it. Be a little warm. I'm zany. A little warm. <laughs> All right, the intern's not here, if you haven't noticed. The intern's not here. He's been here once since spring training. So no corrections, thoughts, fun facts, analyses. Trumbo got another dong. Good for Trumbo. Um, we gotta get out of here. Uh, like us on Facebook. Yep. Go to iTunes and write us a review. Give Subscribe. us five stars. Go get some night at the yard tickets. May thirteenth. Buy Join your us. tickets. Fifteen dollars. Join us. I'll call Uncle Dave. 
Is this a we got an iTunes? Is this an old iTunes review? On no, here? we got a new iTunes review. It's a okay. short one. Read it. You got it in front of you. Yeah. Go I'll, ahead. I'll read it. How I, about I just read it? I said read it. I know. I thought you were just talking like someone read it. You're yeah. talking to me. I meant you. Okay. You gotta look at me. Sorry. I'll read it. Go right ahead. Keep up the great work. They're talking about us. I stuck it. Mm. That's an exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I got to zoom in on this a little bit. Josh has the font at like font five. I would have been done by now if he let me. Okay, I'm it. sorry. Are, do, you, do you have it in front of you, Bert? Yes. It okay. says keep up the great work, exclamation point. Stuck in Ohio. Surrounded on the reservation. But I'll always be a bird. Start Yankee bashing some more, please. Go O's. Oh, we, we didn't we, do any Yankee bashing. No. Teixeira no. sucks. A-Rod does steroids. I hate the Yankees. Traitor. I think that was two weeks ago we did plenty of Yankee bashing. We did our jerkwad list. Girardi pulls too many bullpen arms in the same inning. Yes. Too many changes. Speed up the pace of games. Thank you. Yankee fans suck. They're the worst. That's pretty good. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Section336. And when you meet me, you can introduce, I'll introduce myself as at Section336. Bert will introduce himself as at Bert Rohde. And you can follow Josh at Josh Soroka. And you can follow Mr. Film Study at Film Study Ravens. All right. That's a must follow right there, boys and girls. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's. Section 336 is a affiliate of 24-7 Networks. Find Section 336 on utahstreetreport.com. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.